Welcome to All and Nothing with Ryan and Elliot. This is our brand new podcast to do with everything football across the world. Whatever's interesting, we're probably going to talk about it. Yeah, just wanted to start talking about football. So I mean, first to just get our minds out each week about whatever happens. Obviously, in not necessarily just Premier League for you, SPL as well, and also La Liga, Champions League, everything that goes on. Yeah, just anything that really piques interest and is worth talking about, we would probably talk about it anyway. So we thought best just focus that energy into our podcast and actually get to sit down and just talk about pure football for like an hour at a time. Yeah. So obviously I think we picked a good week to start it, with it being the week Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has been finally sacked from Manchester United, something I think most football fans are really upset at, especially me being a City fan. Upset at seeing a great manager, a club legend leave. It's it's terrible to see that happen to someone. You know, it's actually one of the most devastating things I I think that's happened to the Premier League. I know. In a while. I mean, it, it's a manager losing the support of the fans of the club that that he won their first Champions League for, put in the work. Brilliant bench player. Yeah, <laughs> you know, play it striker with Ronaldo, coach of Ronaldo. Ah. Yeah. Everybody wanted it to work for him, didn't they? I like, think, uh, I think fans so. wise. I mean, losing eighty million pounds somewhere in Dortmund, lost, <laughs> lost, not found. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think obviously the Oli sacking. Uh, from it is actually like a sad thing to see. It is actually like, a sad thing to see someone go it from like, being club legend, and you have to think that the, the three and a half years, but like, like up until the end of last season, there was probably an argument that he should have gone end of last season but definitely he steadied the ship massively after a massive fracture within the team after Mourinho he's brought through I think he's brought through 17 academy players giving them their starts that's a crazy number which is amazing in three three and a half four years um okay yeah he got his contract off of the back of a fluky win against PSG which was a penalty that probably shouldn't have been a penalty for Marcus Rashford but also, he's given whoever will come in to be the interim manager after the interim interim Michael Carrick. Um, <laughs> they've given them a good basis to start on, and I think one of his like main issues actually was the club choosing to sign Ronaldo this season. Like, if they weren't so precious to try and preserve that asset of Ronaldo being a United legend, who, if he had any respect for their club, would have never came and looked. To sign for City. There was one point where you actually thought that they'd won the transfer window and that all had brought in a team that could could maybe do something. If everything started to link up, they were going to be dangerous this season. And there was a good point up until the start of the season, even a couple of months ago, where he had done a good job. Like, obviously, he wasn't doing an outstanding job. He wasn't really challenging for the title at any point. But he, like you said, had steadied the ship. He had given a little bit of like hope to the players. There was big moments throughout his, his time there. But these last couple of months have really just... It's been like a slow spiral that anybody could have put him out of his misery. Because naturally, he's never going to leave. It's his dream job. He loves the club. He loves the players. He was never going to leave. But the board should have cut that off ages ago. Liverpool should have been it for him if not last year when they were in europe 
and they had one defender in their half and they got scored against. Yeah, was that against uh, what team is it? It was against that Turkish side, wasn't it? It was, and I can't I can't remember the but name. Is it Besiktas? Maybe. I have not. Possibly. I'm not too sure. I, but I, just, I do just remember that, and it it really being yeah. like. You could have even said the Spurs six one last season as well. That was. There, that was a really confusing result. Obviously, yeah. I loved watching it, but it didn't make sense that Spurs won that six one. I understand that Marshall did end up getting sending off, but it's Man United. You don't get beat six one, even down to ten men. Loads of teams, yeah, like battle out for a, a two 0 defeat at most. But yeah, his frailties were like his big moments were big, but his low moments were really, really low. Yeah, and I, I think like you said uh, that. There were points where it looked like he had won the transfer window. I mean, you signed Varane, Jadon Sancho, and Cristiano Ronaldo. Like, fuck, like you got two serial Champions League winners there. Got Jadon Sancho, who at the time was one of the hottest properties in Europe. If not yeah, the true. hottest property to that was known that they were going to move in the summer. Like It was a known factor that they were going to get this Sancho deal done because it was so close to being done the season before, but it just fell through. But obviously, you have Jaden Sancho coming in, probably thinking he's he's there eighty odd million. I'm I'm the big dog now. This is I'm here. I'm gonna make this team around me. And then you have Cristiano Ronaldo coming. Like, how can you not play Ronaldo? And I think the downfalls are obviously quite obvious in that Ronaldo just doesn't play well in that system. And if you're not able to adapt the system to then fit Ronaldo in. Why should you force Ronaldo into it? Yes, he is the best player in that team by a country mile, the one of the best players in the world and history of football. But you can't necessarily force a player into a into a formation a philosophy that's not going to benefit the team as a whole. Like you're putting him in is like adding plus ten to the potent, the xG. But removing like fifteen somewhere else, so it's a bit of a. I, I agree. It's it's one of those ones where you probably had the promise of Sancho coming in, which we knew they were dying for someone on that right wing, and a, a holding midfielder was so much more important to them than a Ronaldo. But you know, Fergie's head over heart or heart over head situation got in the way of that, and yeah, now you have Oli sacked. Yeah, see. The Ronaldo thing at the time was obviously mental when they got them. Like even childhood me would have been excited at that because it's Ronaldo, he's in Man United, it's, it's amazing. But if people talk about how he's been unreal for them at points this season, but they're ignoring the fact that the, the reason he's had to score those last-minute winners are, in my opinion, sourcing from problems that are caused by him by having him shoehorned into a formation that's not designed for him, by not playing other players, Jadon Sancho, Donny van der Beek, that could work in this system. And it it seems that just like there's all the, the rose-coloured glasses viewing of the signing of Ronaldo, and that, oh, he scored these amazing last-minute winners. It's Ronaldo, of course he does, but... You shouldn't have Ronaldo celebrating like he won the Champions League for getting a draw against Atalanta. Same with young boys, like scoring that goal at right at the end. The young boys, it's like you guys should have comfortably won that. Rangers beat young boys a season or two ago, like comfortably, and you expect that 
Man United are going to sit here and struggle against them with Ronaldo on their team. Ugh. Yeah, so. I don't even like know what to say about that. Like, it's Ronaldo's great, but he was the nail in the coffin for all. Yeah, I, I think the thing is, we had all the promise of, oh, we've got Varane, even before Ronaldo, we've got Varane coming in, he's going to show up with the back line, okay, don't have Lindelof there, we don't have Bailly there, we have someone who's going to bring such a winner's mentality to the squad, it's going to help, but it's just, like, obviously Varane's been out injured, has he already been injured twice this season? And, yeah, it's just like, he's not, doesn't seem like he's actually anything to that back line the, ba- the best centre back they've had this season has been Eric Bailly who hasn't been starting he started for that game against Atalanta and he was unreal yeah he was, like, the, like the people talk about Ronaldo in that match because he scored the goals but Eric Bailly was unstoppable he did everything right yeah but, but people are still getting like you will still get Maguire and Lindelof getting picked over him. Granted, Bailly has a mistake in him, but there's no shot I would be starting Maguire over him any day of the week. No, and the only reason Maguire gets started is because he cost £80 million and he has somehow been made club captain. Now, the first thing Michael Carrick should do, let alone whoever the interim manager is after him, is take the armband off of him and give it to more than likely Ronaldo that would make the most sense but yeah I just don't get how you can have someone like Harry Maguire as your club captain just purely because you spent 80 million pounds on him like obviously it's it's unreal like you you strip that captain's off him and you bench him yeah that's what has to happen he's not been good enough cupping your ears playing against Albania Albania and then going on and having a woeful performance this weekend. Getting two yellows in five minutes. You are minutes? an English international. You are a Man United captain. And you have just you have tapped the ball a little bit too far in front of you and just wiped the boy out knowing that you're already on a yellow card. Yeah. Well, you can't be doing that at, at that level, let alone as Man United's captain. Could you imagine? You would never have seen some like Roy Keane or Gary Neville go and do that. Like... No, like they would have more. They, they've all, they've all been sent off at points, but never in such silly ways. It feels yeah, like. and you would never have seen them having a bad patch in their career and then go and score an international goal and try and shush the haters. No, that that's genuinely one. Like when he did that, I actually was so glad because it was so funny to me. I was like, you have just signed your death sentence. Like what? This only goes down. This only goes you. badly. You're not gonna go start scoring. Okay. Yeah, like you're not gonna suddenly become a prolific goal scorer for Man United. And then they get beat 4-1 by Watford that weekend. Like, Yeah, and I think, obviously, everyone's going to say, oh, it was a mare from Man United. It was terrible. They didn't look, they've not looked like they know what to do on the ball or off the ball for a number of matches now. But Watford had a cracking game. Like, you can't detract from Watford at all in that situation. Like, Watford played brilliantly. And yeah, exactly. You, you can like... only play the opponent in front of you. Like, okay... Yeah, you could say, oh, if they were playing the Man United of six months ago, that wouldn't have happened. But they were playing this Man United uh, on that day, and it's like they comfortably beat them. It probably should have been six or seven, one. Yeah, they capitalised on the opportunity in front of them. They, I hate this argument that like, oh well, big team was bad, so that means that 
uh, little team got lucky. Whereas, like, you look back at Liverpool v Brighton, that was a battle. Yeah. That was, Brighton were unreal in that game, but people talk about how Liverpool not beat Brighton. But they're ignoring the fact that Brighton should have won against Liverpool that day. Yeah. And, like you're saying, Watford as well, they could have had more. And the, the fact that they scored those two goals in the added time was just deserved from everything up to that point. They, like, they could have already been 4-1 up by the time that those things yeah. happened. And it's the fact that they'd never relented. It was like it was like what we did when we played them. Like We were pu- putting in the miles running until the last minute. Okay, we only beat them 2-0, but it was never like we weren't going for more. Like We could have sat back comfortably because we were just kicking the ball around them. Like, but Well, I, I was about to say that as well. Where, like, they brought on Cucho and Joe Pedro, two yeah. attacking players, people who are designed to score goals. They brought them on when they were already leading 2-1. They were going for the throw. Yeah. And they capitalized. Both those players ended up scoring. Like, they, they knew my United were for the taking. And uh, I rate Ryan Yuri for that, that he didn't just, like try and park the bus and like hold on to no and no, i think like if it was watford's old manager that wouldn't have happened like ranieri has been brilliant like giving a, them a breath a breath of fresh air and just you know when they started this season in the prem there didn't seem like there was much going on there but yeah like showing they have a bit of something to them and like willing to push and push and push and keep going to the last minute even though you're one nil one up against Manchester United but no go go for more and especially with the, the talent they have yeah Ryan Yuri is actually like pulling everything out of them now uh, like you look at Saar and he yeah I was about to say he Ishmael Saar is insane he is unbelievable like I remember when he came from Wren to Watford and then they got relegated I felt bad for him because I was like he is a player that should be in the Premier League consistently he, he's outstanding and he's so fun to watch and my fear was that Watford would get swallowed up again and go right back down and it's like well how many times has this happened to these players before they're they just stop flourishing like Sar needs to be in a team that's playing well like Watford are right now to really shine for you to see how good a player he is otherwise you'll uh, how many people talked about Sar last season when he was in the championship Watford were doing bits but no one talked about it yeah. he's back in the Prem and they're like this guy is unreal and he needs to be at this level consistently yeah that, that's the thing it's like you see um, like Buendia tore it up in the championship last year Ivan Tony, absolutely brilliant for their teams in the championship and obviously Buendia has been injured this season so f- for the majority of it so far so he hasn't made a massive impact at Villa but Tony has shown he is his quality like Bamford did for Leeds last season showed that he is actually yeah. Premier League quality and it's like you do worry about the, these players when they come up from the championship especially if it's their first time playing in the Premier League but yeah it's just I think it goes to show how a managerial change can just absolutely benefit a team so much which is obviously what United are going for and they're pushing for Pochettino next season but what manager is going to a heart will break what manager is going to take an interim job for what six months when they yeah, know that the they're not that you're yeah you're, you're keeping the it, seat warm for Pochettino probably yeah like Pochettino is he he had an interview where he spoke about winning the Champions League and it's like with P, if he didn't win the Champions League with PSG he'd be a failure and it's like that's not Pochettino Pochettino built Spurs and if anybody's going to like take my United to the next level surely it's him like he brought Spurs yeah, from being like he's, he'd be brilliant for the job as well because obviously 
worked with a massive budget constraint at Spurs because we know how tight Levy's pockets are. Uh, I think the Glazers are obviously a bit less tight, but obviously expect more. I think it's fair to say. Um, oh, definitely. So, yeah, it's just I don't get this whole thing about wanting to appoint an interim until the start of next season. Like, if that's the case, just say we're going to keep Ollie, but he's going at the end of the season. Like, there's no point in you firing him, but keeping the whole managerial team and coaching coaching stuff that he had there. Like you, they are yeah, clearly it's, not it's doing their jobs a, either. Such a stupid. Oh, I don't. Yeah, you can't sack a manager and keep his backroom staff. No, like it's actually just like they, they make the manager who the manager is. Yeah, and I think ultimately, Oli is seems much more like a man manager because you still have like Bruno at the end of that game was saying to the fans like clearly signalling it's not just him it's all of us too. Like I'm sure there are players in that dressing room, like your Brunos that probably love him. Like he. Oli gave Bruno his chance in the Premier League and obviously made him one of the best midfielders in world... Like, helped him develop into one of the best midfielders in world football. So, yeah, there's that. But then also, you have to think that he's never been able to get Paul Pogba firing, although no manager really has at Manchester United. Pogba... I don't... I just don't rate Pogba. He's good on an international level, but, you know, when he won that World Cup, had probably the best left forward in the world... Uh, best midfielder and probably one of the best number 10s in Griezmann at the, at the time and one of the best centre-backs in the world in Varane so it's like obviously when you have that team around you like and you can like we've, we saw um, we see when he plays internationally Pogba drops deeper he plays like a much different role than he does at United so it's like why don't you get him doing that at United why do you insist on playing him so much further up the pitch but well, I, I think this like that, that just outlines Solskjaer in general, it's doesn't it? Such it feels a very... like he never fully plays players in the correct positions. Yeah. It's like like let's be real, Scott McTominay. He's he's already not good enough for Man United. Like he's a squad player at most. Yeah. But for Scotland, he plays a centre back because that's as good as he gets. He is a cut and dry centre back who will make the tackle, swing the ball away, yeah. maybe make a, a a dribble here and there. He's not a holding midfielder that can like do all these like amazing passing sequences and has the vision of a god that will just like keep the play going. No, uh, he has to sit you, on that back line and just wipe folk out. The the two targets or the three targets that Man United should have had for the transfer window just gone are a right midfielder. They got that. Well, right right winger. They got that. And Jaden Sancho, one of the best progressive players in world football. Centre back yes. got that. Rafael Varane. A holding midfielder should have been looking at Declan Rice, Calvin Phillips, like to a Declan Rice is just like it's sorry, the biggest uh, miss. Uh, honestly, it's insane. Like what Moyes said in that interview, where he said, "I think hundred million pounds was fair price for was a bargain for Declan in the summer." He's absolutely right. Like oh, one hundred percent. He's he's yeah. not just a holding midfielder. He's a box to box midfielder. He is. I, when I see him get the ball, watching him dribble. Like I think he's one of the best dribblers of the ball in the Premier League. Like his when he when his finishing is on point, he can he can finish from outside the box, finish from inside the box. He he's his passing range is brilliant. He's probably going to be a future England captain. Like break, you could see uh, it. You could. he's uh, uh, he's probably a hundred and fifty million pound player in today's 
football economy. Once you factor that old either, he's so young. Twenty three. When you factor in English tax, oh you factor in Premier League tax. <laughs> like Declan Rice is twenty two, going on twenty three so in January. So yeah, he's he's younger than my girlfriend. He was born oh. a year and a month before me. Wow. That's mad. And we're talking about him as probably one of the best midfielders in the Premier League. If and not To be the world. one of the best midfielders in the world. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think... The, the, what a career he's going to yeah, have. Yeah, like, obviously, we can probably move on talking about managers. Obviously, Gareth Southgate's just signed for England until 2024. Yeah. Not something I'm... I, obviously, I like watching England play. I'm not particularly bothered. Like, second best manager in English history. Obviously, talking of Rice... If you're talking about team sheet, he is probably the second name you have to put on that sheet after Harry Kane. I agree. Um, yeah, I don't really have much to say about Gareth Southgate. Like, obviously, it's big news. I mean, I'm Scottish. I don't. I, don't I mean, you're a Rangers well. fan, so you know. Ah, uh, <laughs> don't don't tell the don't tell Rangers fans. I don't care. About <laughs> um, but no, no. Yeah, I think he has a brilliant squad to like look ahead into 2022. He has a lot of hopefully a lot of choice. For, Obviously, I've seen Emil Smith Rowe and Conor Gallagher get their first caps in the last international break, so more than likely, yeah, the, the future team is going to be nuts. Like, it should be nuts. It's it's going to be another golden generation, and it's like if if we don't capitalise within the next three tournaments, if we, I don't. I think if we don't get a trophy within the next three international tournaments, it, not including the Nations League, um, yeah, it's probably gonna. It's got to be a failure, hasn't it? Well, yeah, well, I mean, Harry Kane's not got long left on an international level, no, surely. No. Like, but major tournament-wise. Um, yeah. He's, what, 29? So, 28, 29? maybe World so, Cup. Well, World Cup, definitely. Maybe maybe next year. Yeah, uh, after that, unless he somehow becomes, like, a Lewandowski superhuman, I don't sort see of, him making yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. And t- t- to be honest, I, I think that one of the big differences between this England team and the, the original golden generation was that they had their, their cliques that they yeah, I think were very the, separated this team love each the, other they're all like nuts. the previous golden generation obviously they've even said it now that they had too much pride for club football to care about winning internationally yeah which you know fair enough like a lot of a lot of people don't care about international football i think that's fair to say a lot of people oh definitely yeah i couldn't be asked what you do as an international player but i i think that if you're talking about like best player of all time that's why you can't really compare messi and ronaldo on that scale because obviously ronaldo's done a lot on an international scale messi won the copper america obviously ronaldo won the euros but yeah messi's been to a world cup final yeah it's true that is true i mean goat player <laughs> he is the greatest um but I, yeah, I think we should just move on because I don't really. I'm not that asked about Gareth Southgate. I'm neither here nor there on him. Yeah, I really don't care about um, England all that much, to be honest. Still talking about new managers and uh, your affiliation with Rangers, Steven Gerrard and Aston Villa. <laughs> just constant pain. Pain. Uh, that I am caught between a feeling of like hope for him. I want to see him do well, and utter distaste that I want to see Aston Villa get relegated <laughs> um, even, I, I hated him before he came to Rangers because uh, I didn't like Liverpool bought and then he of, made us great I was going to say bought one of the best moments in the club's history denying, yeah, denying it, Celtic the 10 
Yeah, exactly. He brought the league home. He made us invincible. Yeah. Like we we conceded like fifteen goals or something last season in the league. It was something like criminally low. Made Jermaine Defoe un- still relevant. Exactly. Jermaine Defoe had one of the greatest goals I've ever seen with my own eyes against Livingston, where he literally just oh, hits yeah, the ball in stride. But I, it, we always knew he was going to leave. I, yeah, I, I think it's whether he went for the Liverpool job or another job in the Premier League. Like it was obvious that he was biding his time till something came along that he can get the move. I think everyone sort of knew that was the reality of it. Yeah, we knew he was leaving. But I think that what has hurt me and has hurt I think a lot of Rangers fans is that in the summer he said he had unfinished business. There was more to do with the team, and he was right. There's Rangers are nowhere near where they were. Winning the league's massive, but Celtic had an off season, and it's uh, we Celtic had an off season, and we just had one of the best seasons. I was going to say is that probably one of like the best SPL seasons? Statistically, it's got to be one of our one of our top ones for yeah. sure. Um, but obviously, he said that he had unfinished business with us and he was right and as soon as this Villa job came up I I, th- I thought he was going to go for the Newcastle one, but I think that he didn't go for Newcastle because he wasn't I don't think they he, have he that releg- wanted to risk yeah they wanted that relegation clause didn't they yeah like he if he got relegated with Newcastle I think that uh, even if it wasn't his fault because it is Newcastle that people would put that on his record like well he got relegated with Newcastle why should he got relegated with Newcastle who have, a, who have a now infinite budget and but it's yeah. like yeah but he also has a championship <laughs> or well anyhow now has a championship squad with two good players exactly two Premier League quality players uh, <laughs> And if Eddie Howe gets relegated, it's Eddie Howe, isn't it? Like, he had a shot at a top club. Yep. But with Steven, it's like, he's gone to Villa with, clearly, Villa's hopes are European football. He said that in his first press conference, I want to get Europe. I think European football, probably attainable within two seasons. I think that's got to be the goal. Even if it's Top conference league? This season, at least. Even if it's conference Yeah, conference league would be massive for them, if you think about it. Like, it's just, it's Villa in Europe, isn't it? I mean, he's already got a proven record in Europe. Like, say what you want about Scottish football, it's fair enough. The competition's not up there with the Premier League. But the, the Rangers competed in Europe yeah, consistently. Round of 16s each year, playing Porto, beating Porto. Um, the Sparta teams that we've seen put Leicester out. We've played them, beat them. That's Brendan Rodgers' so, side in Europe, though. Uh, oh, Brendan Rodgers, don't even get me started on <laughs> that, man. But I think that he... Steven Gerrard is probably the perfect man for Villa. It's yeah. just it was the wrong time for him to leave for Rangers. Yeah, it's, it's one of those... He couldn't not take that I, I think, ev- obviously, everyone knows he's just... Like like I said, like whether he's biding his time for the Liverpool job at Rangers or he's now biding his time for it at Villa... He's conveniently signed a contract that ends the same year Klopp leaves Liverpool. Or Klopp's yeah. ends at Liverpool. And uh, it's because you, I think no matter even like the rose colored glasses of Rangers fans, I think we you had to acknowledge that he was never going to get the job at Liverpool straight from Rangers. This isn't the eighties where Graham Sooners could go from Rangers True. to Liverpool. I, the thing is um, though, I think obviously but depending on his record he probably could have. Like if he'd taken you X amount of seasons, champions, deep into Europe, maybe deep into Europe one season. I, the, th- the thing is, you're, you're doing it with 
Rangers who don't have the budgets of, of Villa or most Premier League teams. Most European teams in general that we were playing against probably had significantly better yeah. budgets. So I think that what he did with Rangers is obviously a massive achievement and you know, he's shown that he can manage with that smaller budget and now hopefully with a bigger budget he shows he can be just as smart and he's taken from what you've said a brilliant managerial team with him. Oh, Michael Beale. What a man. McAllister as well. They're, they're unbelievable. They are definitely the brains of his operation. And I, But the, the big problem I think that Gerard has is that the narrative about him only winning one trophy and the nine available. Um, yeah, then, then Cups were quite... We didn't. We we went invincible last season, obviously in the league, but yep. we got put out by Saint Mirren in the League Cup, and then Saint Johnston in extra time, where we ended up leading. They took us to penalties from Xander Clark, um, heading the ball into the back of the net, which was amazing and annoying uh, all at once because Xander Clark's goalkeeper. But like another thing I heard as well that the new Celtic manager, I can't remember his name, um, he has now taken Celtic to a cup final in his first season with Celtic well first four months with Celtic and that's the same amount of finals as Steven Gerrard made it to in his whole time with Rangers how long was he with you three years three years yeah obviously it's maybe a, it's a little bit different in English football because making it to a final one final in three years is more than reasonable it's a final like they're hard to get yeah, to but in definitely. Scotland it's almost expected it, it's expected that to be old Celtic firm, should be it? up there yeah which is right or wrong. It is just it's just the way that Scottish football unfortunately is where there's only two teams really competing like that. Um one of the main things though I did read earlier, we have spoken privately about who he would take to Villa from Rangers. Nathan Patterson was always the name for me that he yeah. should take. He's twenty years old and great money for Rangers that we'd get from. And he's gonna be a star. He is going to be a star. The name that's been brought up a lot is Borna Barisic, our left back. Okay. Not even tapping it. Yeah, see, that's I I find that kind of nuts considering that Tavernier and Barisic are both the same age. Um, so you are they that, early thirties? Uh, late twenties. Oh, late twenty nine. Okay, twenty nine, I think. Or Tavi's just turned thirty. Um, but Borna Barisic, he is unreal. Don't get me wrong, I do think he is a one of the best left backs Rangers have had in a very long time, and he is playing for Croatia, which are obviously World Cup finalists yeah. not long ago. Um. Yeah. And he's deadly on the ball. He does play similar to Tavernier in the sense, bombs up, swings balls in. He's got a killer corner on him, killer free kick on him. Like, so uh, I've just not surprising that watched Miller much of Rangers. No, I, I think I've probably watched a handful of highlights and maybe a half or two of a game. Yeah. What sort of style does Gerard play? Is definitely. Is it Klopp-esque? Uh, Is it like uh, that? Yeah. Yeah, it's he ha, plays a four three three very much yeah. so with inside forwards, um, at the top with your poacher, so and that's pretty much what he's going to try and do with Villa. You presume Danny Ings is that poacher, yeah. and then Ollie Watkins, Watkins cutting yeah. in. Whereas Rangers had that as well. That's that's exactly what you want him to do, isn't it? That's exactly what an inside forward Ollie Watkins cutting in. I mean, obviously to. because of Grealish playing on that left wing last season we had Watkins playing centrally a lot more brilliant finisher absolutely brilliant finisher Unbelievable. I, I think Ollie Watkins probably the future of the England like striker 
if I had to. He very well could be. If he keeps at this this rate of development, it's hard to see the limit for him. Yeah. He's when he is on, he is on, and I think that's something that I think we're going to see with Gerard. Yeah, Villa's played a blind at getting him in. Like he is, Bro- yeah, such yeah. such a young talent that you know. Hopefully, if they can keep him there for a long time, I think that's something that they'll they'll like Gerard for is that it is Rangers team. But while we had some outgoings and sell Sarah players, not very much or loan people out, he he had his squad and he made sure that they the synergy between them is unreal and they stayed like the the average stay at ibrox is something like 29 months is how long a player stays there yeah. al- on average which is obviously it's, it's reasonably high yeah, a couple it? years yeah it's about two and a half years i, I think have. for for scottish football that's probably yeah for sure because and obviously you have like van dyke he wasn't at celtic for too long was he like once no, these players get recognized it's like they usually get they get taken pretty pretty quickly and i think that by being able to create like a squad dynamic like that as well, where everything just worked, and he he was able to bring out the best in players like Tavernier. I always thought was brilliant, but he got a lot of stick for not being quite good enough defensively. There's something about Steven Gerrard that just made him the perfect wing back. He could defend when he needed to, and he could swing it in when he needed to. But then you had people like Morelos, who is an unbelievable finisher. He is just a really really good goal scorer. But he had that temperament about him where he'd get in fights, he'd get sent off. And Gerard was able to squash that and make him like an all-round better player, a more complete forward. Then you've got Ryan Kent, he brought in from Liverpool, who was deemed not good enough for Liverpool and turned him into an unbelievable finisher in the Europa League and just an unbelievable player. I think he has the ability to bring the most out of players, I, I, which is exactly what Villa need with like Buendia, yeah. Danny Ings. I think what Steven Gerrard does that Dean Smith doesn't as well is they give you that Premier League name factor. They give you that Premier League star factor. Like I'm yeah. sure no player comes in and looks at Dean Smith, looks at Dean Smith and goes, oh, wow, he played for Warsaw and Leighton Orient and Port Vale. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. But, but no, you look at Steven Gerrard and you say... He's won FA Cup, Champions League, nearly won Premier League. He is a English footballing legend, like one of the best English English midfielders ever. And so many of yeah. these players, probably as kids, watched that Liverpool Champions League final or watched the FA Cups and watched him as a player. And I'm guessing so many players would aspire to would have aspired to be like Steven Gerrard if they're number eight I, I fully agree it's it's I think just to speak about Rangers in that sense as well where it's like he commanded a presence so when Rangers had to bring in someone new it couldn't just be Callum Davidson from St Johnston who just won two cups because he wouldn't have that presence in the dressing room that Steven Gerrard did one of the greatest midfielders of all time but so we brought in Van Bronckhorst who's one of Netherlands' greatest midfielders. Like, he, he won everything that was to win. He won the Champions League with Barcelona the year after Steven Gerrard won the Champions League with Liverpool. They both have those presents. And you assume, like you're saying, that people like Ollie Watkins will be like, this is Steven Gerrard. Yeah. This is the best that it gets. I, I, I have to prove myself to this man. I have to let him know that I am amazing. So, he know, like, so he'll come to me and he'll treat me like I'm great. Because you, you do, you step up your level for people that you respect, don't yeah, you? Yeah, and I, I and saw, I think it was James Allcourt saying that obviously when you have a new manager come in, you have the players that will run stone brick 
through run hard through a stone brick wall for the old manager no matter what probably like Bruno Fernandes would have for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and th then you have the ones which are disillusioned and want to start new so it's how do you get the blend of getting the ones which love the old manager and it might be a bit cold to you even if you are Steven Gerrard I'm sure there are the players that loved Dean Smith and loved how he played the team and he had his favourites I'm sure and then how do you get the competition within the squad to pick? So I think that obviously him him having the name factor is brilliant for Villa and just probably gives them a chance of getting top 10. If not, maybe a fighting, a very hard fighting chance at Conference League. This I think Europe is going to be right now it'll be tough like, it'll, it'll, it's going to be a big I ask think unless an English team win the Champions League yeah and see even next season though I, I still think it's going to be a, a real fight with your West Ham's and your Leicester's and Tottenham and Arsenal looking competent this season or going into next season do you not think there's a potential for David Moyes to maybe move on to a bigger club next season if there was an opening somewhere uh, see I, I feel I like, feel like he's perfectly suited to that West Ham squad though. He yeah, he shouldn't take a bigger job because he He's one of those managers is, that seems is, yeah. suited to that level of team. He is he is the man. West Ham love him for what he's doing with they the They didn't team. love him at if the start was, of last season though. Like True. But he that that was more just like prejudice and how yeah. they felt before. Yeah. They obviously love him now, but then you have to think when he went from Everton, he was a star man at Everton. Everyone loved him at Everton. Went to Man United. Picked and... by Sir Alex Ferguson. Exactly. I uh, say what you will about Alex Ferguson leaving him on a bad team and kind of leaving him out to dry for that situation. It still happened, which would naturally, I feel like, play on any situation where he would get offered a bigger job than West Ham. If West Ham are sitting in third right now, also fourth, though, you have to do why the best be? you can with the squad you have. Yes, that is true. So. Well, he's turned Michael uh, Mikel Antonio into yeah. an unbelievable striker, isn't he? So he, he is clearly a good manager. He is oh, clearly he's a great Declan manager. Rice into one of the best midfielders in world football. Uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, with uh, he's bring it back to Villa with teams like that in front of you who have already got that that they've laid their foundations and they're trying to become a consistent European team. How does Villa then compete with Leicester, West Ham, who are now part of what's basically the top eight? Like the, the big eight like at the moment. I, I think one thing Villa do have on their side is their owners, obviously, after the Newcastle takeover, they're like the third or fourth richest in the league, aren't they? Yeah, so yeah they are. They maybe, are maybe they were just sort of buying their time to get a manager in that they fully trust that can take them to that level. And then they're waiting to get the checkbook out. That could be a possibility. You know, that is a really good I, point. I don't and, know. I mean, if we expect Newcastle to start competing for Europe within a few seasons, We're possibly talking you, fully about should, you fully should expect Villa. So, so you are you're right. Possibly talk, once you then factor in Villa and Newcastle into that, you're probably talking about a potential, like, you're talking about 50% of the Premier League having a possibility to, to compete in European football, which is I, insane. That's... That you, there's like, no you, other league at that point England are basically winning European competitions every season most years just by a number just by a numbers factor 
I, I think that shows the quality of the league. I, and I think I it, it felt does like for a wee while we were scared it was a. But I think I, I think for a wee while we were scared it was like a, a two a, a two team league yeah. with City and Liverpool. And now suddenly we have all these challengers. It's like if they could just step up another level. Yeah, I think it also sort of maybe shows the fragility of the league if you can have that many teams competing yeah. because you're thinking all it takes is maybe one or two off games in a season and then you're not fifth you're eighth yeah no that's true i think that they like it's also a very different but, situation in uh, scotland where it is only yeah. rangers and celtic but it's like if rangers or celtic lose it's always deemed it's not just a loss it's like that's three points in the other team's pocket but that, that's three points in rangers pocket or three yeah. points in celtic's pocket because you've just lost and every loss counts and I think that's where the Premier League's going to go. It's not just going to be like, oh, well, we lost to Watford away, but that's okay. Like, it happens. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's going to be, we've lost to Watford away. But are we going to finish second now? Like, is, is that possible Are we going to finish second? Like, or are we going to finish Europa League position? I think that, obviously, your top four probably nailed on most seasons now. City, Chelsea, Liverpool should be mm-hmm. United. Probably won't be United this season. We'll be interesting to see who gets that fourth spot. And then... Europa League, you're probably going to talk Tottenham, West Ham, maybe Leicester. Yeah. Conference League will be the one out of the three that don't get that. And then you're talking the last four positions nipping on the tail of the Conference League are probably Villa, going forward will be Newcastle. Who Brighton's probably a finish out, you know. If, if Brighton keep playing the way they're playing, I think Brighton yeah, could end up. I just don't, I just still don't ever feel like I see it fully with Brighton. Like, I know that they have brilliant games and they took us far like we played a bloody hard game against them Liverpool did as well but it just seems that they play so well against the top teams but then also they play they just seem to play to the level of the other team they're playing you're right because then they end up conceding in the 94 minutes Crystal Palace yeah. like which is their derby yeah. that's yeah. their derby. yeah exactly yeah, I think that well, the big problem they had last season was not being able to score goals, and they figured that out this season. They're certainly scoring now, yeah. but it's it, again, it is it, could they I mean, do they it? Only just Maybe not. That's why I feel like Villa though. Last season, yeah, it? yeah, that's true. I, but I still think that Graham Potter has a system, and I actually do think that Brighton finish higher than Villa. I, I this season, I think definitely this season. I I think that Graham Potter's got that that sussed out. That's that's my statement. Yeah, he does definitely have a very like firm system and philosophy in place for that team. And you know, when Pep Guardiola is talking about you as the best current English manager, like that's some pretty high. He praise. probably is to be honest. I, can, I can't even think of like other English managers that may, really made me go, "Yeah, they're really good." By the way, yeah, like David Moyes, Scottish. Yeah. So it's like the only person that's even close to that. Is a Scottish yeah, guy. I think the only other person that people would possibly put near him might be Brendan Rogers. And I know that you wanted to talk <sighs> about Leicester, so maybe. Oh, but... yeah. So if Leicester and I, I think we should Brendan obviously Rogers. definitely preface this. You have a massive bias against Brendan Rogers being a former Celtic coach. Yes, I do. But um, and watching him win the quadruple treble and killing me. Um, but there's there's something about him that I I also respect him for what he did of Celtic. Like it, it just because it's Scotland doesn't mean that it's super easy to win a quadruple treble. Like you I mean, can't just you also keep have to look, treble after treble after treble. You just have to look 
like in France, everyone calls it the Farmers League, but like Poch didn't win last season with Mbappe, fucking Marquinhos, and like <laughs> exactly. It's like there are off seasons typically in these Farmers Leagues or or quote quote Farmers Leagues, and Celtic just never yeah. let off the gas until Rangers came in and Brendan Rodgers was gone, which was fair, but. I, I respect what he did, but he fumbled the bag at Liverpool. He did get them to... They, Liverpool should never finish second that season. They, they, they were on to win the they title. Sh- they should have. The team wasn't good enough. They, like, they had yeah. big players, but the team overall was not a good enough team. Was that the Suarez season where he got like 40-something yeah, sure goals after however long that suspension Something was? Something nuts. But then that kind of showed the problems with the rest of the team. That even with but, him but then do you not think without the Suarez goal. suspension, they win the league? Yeah, probably, and I think that that would like had he done that, had he won the league, I, I would probably have a very different tone about him right now. But he's just serially he, done it though, hasn't he? He's just serially underperformed. Yeah, like you, he's never won a European knockout game. That's like the big stat that I like and to harp I, on constantly. I think obviously, I don't know if you know this, but the city owners fucking love Brendan Rodgers, and I don't understand it. <laughs> It's, it's mental. And, uh, the I best thing that could that happen to all. Brendan Rodgers is him being signed to Man United. That for Manchester City, that is the best thing that could happen for us because he's being touted. He's the number one candidate to take the job after Pep, and I'm like, just Grandpa. I don't Grandpa. understand that. <laughs> like, I, I really don't understand that. Like, I I've said it before that if he does take the job at Man United because for whatever reason Poch won't take it, that's a blessing in disguise for Leicester. Leicester yeah, will. Definitely thank themselves for letting him go if they bring in the right man after him that is obviously it's totally dependent on bringing the right manager but how like how do you not win any European knockout games with Celtic who went invincible and won the league 30 games into the season they still had 8 games to go and they'd won the league uh, I always it's forget like, that you have like that weird system and then you have the top top yeah. whatever the playoff thing is we have the championship playoffs as they're called and the relegation playoffs but it's, it's just like they split the league um but he he had an unbelievable celtic team and they somehow never got past the round of 32 in the europa league obviously fair enough never win a knockout round in champions league if you ever made it out of the group stages because those teams have hundreds of millions while scotland has tens of millions to work with um but he never won it with Liverpool. He's not done it with Leicester. I, at some point, it just seems like a bit of a bogey that, thing, doesn't it? Yeah, like if you can't perform in Europe, Steven Gerrard got to the round of thirty-two with a Rangers team that finished third behind Aberdeen, like in his first season. Who were not very good, like it, like that Rangers team just weren't very good. But he still, he still won a European knockout tie, like in his first season. Whereas Brendan Rodgers, who's done it for over a decade now he just can't and it's like he got the lesser job and he's done well and he's he's brought them up to obviously competing for Europe but I think he's getting found out this season that he has a ceiling and he cannot get past it he will he has hit his point with Leicester it was amazing and win the FA Cup I do really rate yeah, that like that was that, an achievement but just because you have Shield those achievements well. here and there Charity Shield as well true but I don't think he's doing enough to justify the plaudits and I also just realised I, I did call Brendan Rodgers an English manager when he's Irish. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot um, about that. Yeah, I think that there needs to come a point where it's like, what is the issue there? 
Like, obviously, it's knockout football. You know, anything can happen. Which is exactly why a team like Celtic should have won one of them. Anything yeah. can happen. Like, same with Liverpool. Anything can happen. Liverpool, with Suarez in the team, come on. They should be winning at least one of their knockout rounds. Like, No, definitely. But do you not well. put like, more in the consistency factor of a league than a single knockout round? And I know, you. obviously, the argument would be, well, he's had so many of them with so many teams that have had great players that he should have won one. No, you are right. Like you have to like the, the Europe is only a set a limited amount of games a year anyway, so you do have to look at the league. But in Scotland, he had no competition for a very long time, and by the time Rangers were back, they still weren't Rangers. Like they they were still not Rangers. So he was found against Motherwell and Aberdeen for the leagues, and he was finishing thirty points above them. So, um, it's like okay, he he was very consistent with Celtic. That's fine. Leicester, he is consistently bottled top four. Yep. Um, I mean, he looked nailed on for it last season. He looked nailed on for it the season before. And again, they slip away and I don't understand if they, that can't, like, the players can't. I, I don't get it. It's either burnout within the squad or just something, like, it does just seem like it could be a bottling issue. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't understand how you bottle top four twice in a row like that and again this season Leicester are really really underperforming yeah they just don't um, I, it just seems like they don't have much of a plan going into matches Leicester are a scary team to play the last couple of seasons and by the time Spurs come up against them this season I'm not that concerned to be honest I, I used to like be kind of fear of James Madison but I, I don't even realise he's on the pitch half the time. No, I know. I think the only players that I sort of recognise are on the pitch are Ian Acho, Tielemans. I do like Ian I really like Ian Acho, obviously came through City. Um, yeah. Tielemans, probably their best player, if apart from Schmeichel. Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, Schmeichel saved them from an embarrassing match against Chelsea. I think Schmeichel's done a lot of, lot of that this season for them. He's really like showing the frail like he's hiding the frailties in that back line. I, I don't understand how you go from winning an FA Cup to struggling to fight against anybody in this league this season. Like they've never really looked like Wester. No. And I I don't know if I don't know if Brendan fixes that, to be honest. Like what, what to be fair we're only what, twelve games in or something like that, but you start to get to a point where it's like, okay, once we get to 18 games in, where is the vision? Then? Where are we going? Yeah, like, we're like we were competing for Champions League last season. And now we're, and now we're mid-table. And uh, I'm pretty sure they're not performing amazingly in Europe either. I, don't, I obviously don't follow them massively, so I don't know, but... I, there's clearly maybe something, some issues with the I, squad, is that it's just been too same-same for too long. And that there needs to be something new, but ooh, I don't know. Uh, Europa League, they are third in their group with yeah. When they have <laughs> Napoli, Legia, Legia, Warsaw, and Spartak Moscow. It's not an easy group by any no. means. That is a very tough group, for sure. But you, I mean, Warsaw are second. Yeah, I mean. 
you'd expect them to be doing uh, you'd expect them to be sitting second honestly like it's a very very tough group i, I think your group rangers but... group's quite tough oh rangers group is rotten <laughs> i hate it it's so bad i honestly think if we drop into the conference league we could win the conference league well we could have if we had the team performing the way we did last year but i obviously i want us to progress in the europa league for money just i know we won't win it but money 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 uh, makes the world go round. but yeah but with leicester i think that we're getting like we will get to a point where it's like it's brendan rogers now the last time they by the end of the got season. into the champions league was 2016 yeah exactly and also they they were mad with that um like with how deep they got into that league despite not performing in the league itself that season but like brendan's not performing anywhere like where are leicester sent leicester sent 12th They've lost to drawn one and one two in the last five. So it's it's a pretty even split, but only four wins and five losses. It's that's not really shaping um, up when you've got West Ham sitting up there with seven wins and three Wolves. losses. And they're sitting in four. Wolves with six, five. Exactly. Like yeah. Pal- Brighton are above. Palace them. only have three wins, seven draws though. <laughs> that's not Palace have actually been a very surprising team this season, I think. I think Vieira is actually going to do do a half decent job i was pleasantly surprised when he um i thought it was going to go terribly same especially with how you've managed new york city yeah i had no hopes for crystal palace thriving from here but he's coming he's he's out with the olds got rid of players like van anholt and in with the new Connor Gallagher, Connor Gallagher. <laughs> who is insane it's unbelievable and he's so dynamic he, he just the system he's so willing to change it depending on the opponent and who he plays and he he's not scared to try something different like Zaha playing on the right and if it works it works if it doesn't it doesn't they kind of have a the thing is it though, feels like he has a free at, pass at the minute I don't think Crystal Palace really have expect, expectations of European football no so as long as you're not in the relegation zone but, but they will the be thing is, happy I think the relegation finish. zone this season could be like bottom five teams. Mm-hmm. Like there aren't, there isn't necessarily like a set three. I feel like obviously Newcastle, obviously there's potential they go down, but yeah, I mean from that first game, I think going forward, look a lot, a lot better, and you know, I, I think. You could probably have either fixed going back or going forward, and you sacrifice the other one, and only one of those wins your games. Obviously, I don't know the Newcastle squad in depth. It's not really one that I'm too asked about knowing and <laughs> following. But like when you have Alan Maxman and Callum Wilson, you need to just have everything directed through those two. That's what they just need to basically give it to them and say, "Have your run of the pitch." Yeah, like you, they need to be just going for goals. Like, I, I think that's all Newcastle fans really want as well. They want a bit of excitement after the uh, lovely few years they've been through with Mike Ashley. They want, they want a bit of something about them. I, yeah, entertainment and football I think, of any kind. And I think something that is probably quite gutting to them is the fact that Rafa took that Everton job. Because yeah, probably I, I hadn't even considered. I'm that. guessing. Had he not taken that, he probably would have been first name on that list to 
to manage Newcastle. You'd assume so. I mean, he turned a he turned a profit for the club, didn't he? Yeah, which is absolutely it's insane what he did to that club. And uh, obviously, everyone likes to bash on Steve Bruce. It's an easy thing to do, but did he not finish twelfth in the end last season? Yeah, he actually finished. Like he's kept them up two pretty seasons. Pretty comfortable with for Newcastle. Fairly minimal spending. I I know it's easy to bash on him because. You know, didn't have a great style of play. Didn't seem like they knew what they were doing much. Wasn't great with the press. But also, he has kept them up. He's kept them in the Premier League, which is all the club really was expecting for the last few seasons. I don't think anyone was expecting anything else. And yes, you can say you want a better style of football, but do you want him to try a better style of football and you get relegated? <laughs> it's like, what what... I, I think that's a, that's a trade-off, yeah. isn't it? It's like, would you rather watch entertaining football and possibly go down, or would you rather watch boring football and stay up like Crystal Palace for the past however many seasons with Roy Hodgson? They just did their job, and that was it. I think that there's probably, like, it would maybe hurt to go down, to get relegated. Would suck, I, I'm, but but you, I think with Steve Bruce, there's no promise of getting promoted. Was, yeah. like, I, I do, I know there's, obviously I'm not really the person to speak about, I'm not a Newcastle fan, but obviously... It's like it's a hard one. It's like would would you accept the going down? Because with Steve Bruce, it's once you go down, are you then in free fall? Do you go below Championship? Do you become Sunderland? Yeah. Do, do you become do- your main rivals? Um, yeah, I think that if they go down this season with Eddie Howe, that's not going to. From Newcastle's perspective, that won't be Eddie Howe's fault. I don't think. I think that they will just they'll allow that, and then that gives him that chance. I don't to think the fans all think it's his fault players. particularly either. No, I, I don't think he can. If, if he plays, if he plays entertaining football, and like, if if his entire goal does end up being try to outscore the opponents because our defense is woeful, at least they're scoring goals, and at least there's a little bit of a high and a low of watching Newcastle instead of before where it felt like everything was a low. And if they go to the championship, there's a good chance they'll win a, a, a fair amount of those games. And to be honest, obviously, as a football fan, you want to see your team win. But they like, win trophies and compete for Europe. Which is more than likely going to happen also... in the next five years. Like You, you saw exactly. the speed they had with City. Exactly. So if they structure it right, they're going to be up there anyway. If they go down to the championship for a season, it's not going to be that big a deal for them, really, I don't think. It'll just be like a good chance for how to build this team, implement its system fully in a full season. And then, then we'll see what really the, happens. The thing I just think is, is you can't have Alan for Maximum playing in the championship. Like that is criminal. That is really criminal to me. He, he is... shouldn't be playing for Newcastle in the first. No, I know. Place. I think like, how he's not been signed by a better team. I think that's just the Newcastle effect. That it doesn't matter how good you are. That for whatever reason they go, oh, Newcastle are quite yeah, bad. Mike You're Ashley's a part of that. Fingers all over him. I'm surprised that Mike Ashley didn't try to capitalise on him, to be yeah, honest with same. you. He's an outstanding player. He's so fun to watch. Yeah, he just it just seems like whenever the ball's at his feet, there's just like magic going to happen. Especially with Wilson on that team now, you just feel like... You feel like there's so much to come from the two of them. You're like, I, I don't know. I just feel like with Eddie Howe actually managing them, a man who understands Callum Wilson, yep. and a, a man that can hopefully bring out more of... Alan and Max, man, you really think that oh, these guys are going to combine for a lot and Newcastle are going to be fun to watch. But can they stay up this season? Yeah. After zero wins after 12 games? Yeah, it is. Uh, 
it's going to it's an up, uphill battle, but, but it does help. The thing is, they're only, only, say, they're only five, points, five off. points off of Leeds, and yeah. Leeds have two wins. And Watford before wins are only what like seven seven points above them. Uh, that's so easily catchable. And it, it all just well, dep- I think for Newcastle it depends on runs. Like what's their what's their fixture list looking like? Arsenal, okay, maybe not not an easy one there. Obviously after the thing, but they have Norwich, Burnley, Leicester. That's you could realistically say they hope to pick up six points from that. For sure, and. That assuming things go their way, that's them climbing out of that relegation zone pretty quickly. Yep. Like if you go up with to two of like two of them the, being their main relegation rivals. Exactly, and to to get to tenth is only ten points. They're only ten points off of ten. And they so it's yeah, like, they have a bit of a tough run after that. They have Liverpool, City, United, Everton. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's a tough Everton, two weeks. Everton could be. Easy, like there for the taking, based on how they have played. I, the I think season, realistically, but... you hope to pick up one point from them for. Yeah, which is so, like that's never what you want to see as a fan. But then you know it's Christmas time, and yeah, obviously the burnout so often, is real around Christmas with Europe and yeah and cup games. So, well, I, we watched Crystal Palace a couple of seasons ago beat Man City with an Andros Townsend folly. Yeah. So, um. You know it can happen where these teams, especially Man United, could be. It depends. Yeah, if they if they've still got Michael well. Carrickin at that point, I honestly wouldn't yeah. be surprised. Like I know they have Ronaldo and whatever, but it really means nothing at the moment for United yeah. anyway. Like doesn't matter how good these players are, it's going to be who the man that manages them is, and by that point it could be nobody. It could still be Carrick. So it's only it's only literally a month and a few days away. So yeah. I think that's probably a good point to to leave it at for for tonight. Yeah, we've talked we've talked a lot about the, the football going ons of this week. Yeah, no, I think we got got some good stuff to talk about next week. Got we're playing PSG without Kevin De Bruyne. Oh man, uh, Tottenham they're in the Europa Conference League, so that'll be as thrilling as ever. And uh, I think West Ham have Rapid Vienna, which I. And Rangers could qualify for the next round of the Europa League. There you go. If we oh, win. So we also have West Ham later in the week as well on Sunday. So it's going to be an interesting week for all of our teams. Yeah, it'll be good. It's been great fun. It has. I've enjoyed it. It's going to be a good first episode. It has. And I think people can follow us on Twitter at... AllNothingPod. AllNothingPod. Going to start probably tweeting on that regularly. I don't have a personal Twitter account, so that's probably going to end up being... Where I tweet all my football stuff. I think that'll be good. And then, yeah, make sure you follow us on there. Follow us here, wherever it's going to be uploaded. Don't know yet. I assume Spotify. <laughs> Spotify. <laughs> um, yeah. And share it if you if enjoy you it. Yes. You know? Do share it. And give us topics to talk about. That would be appreciated. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Bye bye.